Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 3 of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk. Podcast episode 159. Dexter Henry Brian Fonseca is still doing the thing. Yeah. Got a guest. Look, I always love when I have people from my neighborhood in the building that I go back. Uh, we said we we're going to try to get some more people around music, around hip hop. We just had Static Select on the last episode. Now we got another producer, a good friend of mine, East Flatbush native, representing like myself, hmm. producer Ghost Dave. Dave, what's up, man? Going on, man. 50s and now, you know, 5'5". Five, five. Yeah, he's 50s. I represent the 90s. Uh, it's all in terms, good. It's in terms all of those blocks. Family, <laughs> <laughs> one, one family. And for people who don't know, Dave and I, we go back, I mean, years to knowing each other from 11 years old. Uh, we're both graduates of Philip Scholar Middle School, best middle school in Brooklyn. Brian's, old, Brian's older brother also graduated there. He knows He knows what's up. That's true. Um, yeah. And, uh, yo, Dave and I, we got a lot of things in common that we're going to get into into this episode. We both love hip-hop, as Brian does too, and we know. We both are diehard, long-suffering Knicks fans <laughs> as well. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. We're going to have a little bit of the sports and hip-hop. And Dave has been producing some of his beats and stuff. Some of the people who've been following Backpack Broadcasting or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, you've heard some of his beats on our commercials and different promo stuff. So you've definitely heard that. So um, Dave, we're going to get into that. Brian, how are you doing? We need to let the people know that you're doing okay because you had a little bout with food poisoning oh, this yeah. past week. And Dave, I don't know if you had food poisoning before, but... Of course. Yo, oh, you've had it before? Of no, course. no it. joke. It is not it's, a game. <laughs> it's pro. It's probably the worst. It's one of the worst shits you can get. I mean, I can't. I can't. Literally, literally, <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. So for me, that part of it wasn't. Everything was out the front. Like, ah. it was out the. Lucky front, you. Yeah. Wasn't my experience. Called, I would have called that luck. I felt like at one point <laughs> I looked up. I was like, damn. So because look, there is no more vulnerable position that I've probably ever felt <laughs> than you trying to keep everything down and you know that you can't. So you're just waiting by the toilet. You know what I mean? You're just, you're just sitting or whatever. You're just waiting there. Like, I don't know man. why I'm laughing. It's really not funny. This is about an awful waiting game though. It's kind of funny in hindsight, <laughs> but as you're going through it, it's the worst thing ever. Uh, luckily though, at 48 hours, I was good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was working on my stuff. I was working on other stuff. You know what I'm saying? But but that those first 24 hours, all I wanted to do was sleep. I was in and out of naps. Oh. I wasn't even sleeping properly. I, I it's crazy because I slept from 11 to three, got up and hurled again. Right. Uh, then went back to sleep from mm. like four to six. Damn. Got up. And then just chilled for a little bit. And then I just took a couple naps. At one point, I fell asleep at like 4 p.m. and didn't wake up till 8.30. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, you, you have you have like no... All right, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you good, are you good now? You good now, right? Well, you're on this pod. You better be good because we're not trying to no, see you throw up on this. <laughs> no, I've been, good. I've been good since like Wednesday night. Wednesday night is when I was... Re- and this was two days after because it all happened like Monday night into Tuesday. And Tuesday was the day I was really like messed up because it was right after. Yeah. But Wednesday Wednesday night, I started feeling good. I was, I was straight. I haven't like worked out much this week, which, you know, just to just to like... 
chance or whatever. But right after this pod, you know, I'm doing what I got to do. I'm, okay. getting, I'm getting back. Get back on that healthy lifestyle. Uh, no, glad you glad you were good, bro. Um, and everything is good. Dave, Dave, you've been good. You not uh, you didn't get the food poisoning uh bug this recently this week. Not, not lately, man. But I, I've had it before, and it's the worst feeling. Like I remember one time I had it, and I had like a job interview like the next day. Oh, oh, and, yo, I don't know how I made it, but that was the longest night of my life. Hey, you made it to the job. You made it to the job interview. That night. Wait, you made it to the job interview, bro. I made it. I made it to the. And the thing is, I didn't even get the job. That's what had me tight. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be like, yo, I went. I was sick. I had no energy. I told them too. I actually called them and said, "Can I postpone it because I'm horrible right now? I'm throwing up. My stomach is bugging. Can I, can I come back? Like, a, can we push it back a couple of days?" And I remember the lady was like, "No, because it's right around Christmas. Everybody's going on holiday break." So I was like, "All right, you know she's what? supposed, she's supposed to be in the giving spirit." She's supposed nah. to give you another day. <laughs> and she was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Nah, <laughs> come, so come on. Not wa- she also should not want to, like, also get sick. You yeah. know what I mean? That's like, true, like, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 yeah, you would think. But okay. Whatever. All right. Enough of the sick talk. We're going to get get into some good stuff. Uh, Dave, I know, and I was talking to you about this before we started recording, but I know that you and I, and this could include Brian, because Brian's younger than us, but we have very similar sounds in, in, in hip-hop. Talk, talk to you. Talk to the people about how you got into producing. What kind of inspired you to, you know, do the production thing? Um, all the way back from my parents, because my pops is, my parents' record collection is crazy. So I was growing up listening to every soul record you could think of, all the break beats from the James Browns, you know, the Parliament, Funk, all, they were playing all of that. So, and then growing up on my block, it, that hip hop was everything. Dex, you've been on my block before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. We, all, all we talk about on our block, especially them junior high school days, was Wu-Tang, Nas, Redman, Big. So growing up in that element, I always just had a feel like the like the beats caught my attention. So I, was, I guess sometime, uh, like my late college days, I was like, yeah, I want to take a shot at it. And I just, you will hear records throughout the day, you know, just random old records. Like, I really think I could flip something and make that into a beat. So my early beats were horrible, but as you go on and on, you start picking up and like, all right, I think I figured this out. And then I, luckily I knew the right people that rhymed around me and some dudes made beats and I learned and sat back and, and just picked my points, my parts. I mean. Yeah. You, you've been, you've been going out this for quite some time. Cause I'm really trying to think about it too. It's pretty much as long as I've been doing stuff independently with backpacks, because we're kind of on that same trajectory, probably like about ten yes, years, about ten years, um, that that we've been doing this. Now, who were some of the influences for you early on um, in terms of production? What were growing up in the in the early nineties and and hearing certain stuff around you in terms of producers? Who who were some of those influences for you? Oh, um, DJ Premier, top of the list, definitely got to be yeah. right. Maybe <laughs> tied with him, probably tied with him is RZA. Um, yeah, so yeah, Primo Rizza, Pete Rock, of course, um, Beat Miners. I was, I'm a huge Duck Down uh, fan. Smith & Wesson, OGC, Delta yep. Skelter, wow. like huge. So duck, that Duck Down sound I was big into. Um, and then, yeah, Dr. Dre, because I, I was definitely, Chronic was hitting. So it, that was like early on. And then as I guess I got older, Just Blaze and Alchemist took kind of took the 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 range from there, and I was hooked. And and I'm bugging too, Jay Dilla, because that whole um, De La Soul sound and Stakes Is High album and the work he's putting in on that was ridiculous. Yeah, nah, definitely yeah. no doubt. I'm glad that the pocket for that sound grew too, because I remember a time where, so when I was a teenager, this is when a lot of the shit that was popping was like Lil Wayne and that sort of sound and everybody trying to start that melodic wave or whatever. And I remember searching for a lot of the underground hip hop that sounded like the sound that we're talking about, like people of, 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 you know, the DJ premier childs and things like that, like the children of that sound. And I remember it being a struggle to find that even then now with, I mean, I guess Griselda's kind of the face of this wave right now. Right. Of course. And I think that that is sort of expanded to, you know, and you work with Flea Lord, on his mm-hmm. last project, we're gonna which we're gonna touch on in a little bit, or we could even touch on now. But I think that that has sort of opened the door for a lot of people, I guess, like yourself, to sort of just come through and and, and make that sound what it is now. You know, yeah, de- definitely. You gotta buy your time. Is 
like Dex was saying earlier, like I didn't. It's easy to kind of just sway and jump jump on the um, current wave and say, okay, I'm gonna try trap or I'm gonna do drill or whatever sound is yours. And it's not a knock to that, but that wasn't me. I know what I liked. I know the hip hop that I fell in love with. I'm not gonna try to do trap because I know that's not gonna be authentic to who I am. So I just kept. I knew eventually because the sound went away, but it never. I won't. I won't ever say it fully died because even if you look yeah, yeah, throughout yeah, the yeah. years. Kendrick had stuff with like a boom bap sound from time to time. Cole would do it. Um, Wayne had his moments. You know, not like obviously not most of the album, but Hove. You could go through the years and people still had it. It's just a matter of time where it was like it was going to break back open. And when Griselda kind of kicked the door down, I'm like, this is it. I'm about to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because I always felt for a while it was like, does the New York sound, if we want to call it that, does that still really exist? That that boom bap sound that that we all love love here. And what I mean, you kind of hit on this, but how much did it inspire you to see Griselda? Griselda kind of was the first collective that just leaned all the way into it. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is what we're doing, right? These are these grimy beats, and we've we've talked with some people. We talked with Sky Zoo when he's been on our pod a couple times about I this. Saw that, yeah. <clears throat> we talked with him about it right before he did Retropolitan with Pete Rock. And the importance of that sound. And he was kind of talking about the same thing and keeping that alive and whatever. When you see a collective like that lean into it so hard and you see there's still a, I would say a hunger for it, right? Like there's fans like us that still want to see that. Does that inspire you? And do you think the sound is being pushed, right? Because it's not just about recreating the 90s. It's sort of about pushing it forward. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. um, Not to cut you. Yeah, it's being pushed for sure. Because it sounds, if you, on a technical aspect, the drums are the same. But the, the way the, the songs are sampled or the way the, the melodies are put together, it has a 90s feel, but it's not exactly a 90s feel. Like when you listen to Griselda records, they don't, they have the, if you took the drums away, it don't really sound like something that came out in 94. You know, like, especially like if you listen to The Roots or even Illmatic, it's a different kind of sample. It's chopped totally different. But what brings what my marriage um, brings it together is essentially those kicks and snares. When you hit those drums and it's just that hard boom, that one two, then you hear that that sound. Everybody's like, "Oh, that's the '90s sound." But really, it's been they pushed it forward. It's definitely not the same um, sound from back then. And nah, we're trying to just nah. push it now. Yeah, nah, I, yeah. I definitely agree with that. And to some degree, I also would probably not leave out pro era in the sense oh like, absolutely yeah because joey badass was somebody who i first heard about i want to say 2011 yeah 2011 something like that and i was you know we're around the same age i was still in high school at that point so hearing somebody around my age at that time coming with that boom bap sound that was nuts because this is like I, I i'm trying to imagine like what was shaheem in the 1990s yes but at the same time it's like <laughs> Shaheem was doing that at a time where that was the sound. Joey mm-hmm. Badass doing that at a time where that's not the sound at all. And then all of a sudden, it's like everybody else from Pro Era, Nick Caution, CJ Fly, et cetera, after. So I also credit them with that as well. I guess it's a little bit different from Griselda, but kind of similar. Oh, no. I think the Flatbush Zombies probably had, you know. Flatbush Zombies, Underachievers. Pro Era is a, for, um, definitely, you got to give them their credit. Matter of fact, even before I got on the Griselda wave, which is probably 2015, 16 range. You're right. That pro era, when I first heard that Joey 1999, yeah. that yeah. brought me out like, wait, who's this kid? And I found out he's from Brooklyn too. Yeah. yeah. So it was already like, all right, now nah, this is a win. This is when everybody was doing everything slowed down and was trappy and he's out there rhyming on the old boom bap drums. And I'm seeing him on the J train doing the video for waves. I'm like, nah, this is, <laughs> this is it right here. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. That's that's. I'm glad you brought that up, B, because that he. I, I remember. I I remember the first time I listened to 1999. I can remember. I was in my old apartment, and I heard waves, and I was like, "What is this?" Like, that's one of your favorite songs ever. I think, it it right? really is. It's up there, probably like in the last like ten years or so. Like, it really is because I just was like, "This is fantastic." You know, shout out to Freddie Joe Joe Team who uh produced that, and yo, just like loved the sound of it and everything, and so. Yeah, the, the New York sound isn't dead. I'm glad to hear, and we obviously, Dave, we're glad for producers like you, sort of pushing that, pushing that sound forward. Obviously, with Static, who we had on the last podcast, a ton of uh, a ton of influence, couple of couple of production on that project, 1999. 
Now you, we had Static on the last podcast. We talked to him about we talked to him about some stuff. You recently had the chance to meet him. Uh, yeah. Tell us about that. Um, they got a studio out in um, Bushwick, and I had a session with my brother, my older brother. He rhymes, so we um booked the session literally the room next door, which is Terminology Studio. Wow. And um, the engineer is Static's um, protege, um, do a producer named Neff. Neff, yep. So we get there and. My brother's in the booth. He's recording, and I guess somebody. Knocked, I'm just sitting there chilling, waiting, you know, listening to the verse as he's knocking, laying it down. And somebody knocked on the door, so Neff opens and it's static. And so at first, I look up. I was like, I, I thought it was just maybe somebody, you know, janitor to work there or something. And I look up, I'm like, oh shoot, you know. So it was kind of like bugged out, but I try to play it cool. Like, Who's the static? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so I just we didn't say anything at that point. Like he just said something real quick, like, yo, I'm here, you know. Um he said something enough, I can't remember. And then he went to his room and did his thing. And then uh terminology came in maybe about a half hour later. And he, I actually met him first. Like we actually like he dapped me up. We was talking, me, him and my brother. He's like, I like the song that y'all recorded. And then um Static came out back out on the way out as he was leaving. He he stopped by again and he showed us love. He was like, Yeah, what's up? Um, we took a picture. Just a quick it was a little like light introduction, nothing serious. He was more in, in passing, dapped us and it kept it moving. But I funny thing, I saw him um on Friday. Oh because oh. another dude of mine that's recording on one of my tr- um tracks, my man Sham, he was recording a session at that same studio. And Static was in there again. Same kind of situation where he's recording. You can hear music in the next room. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but he came in for a second and he um, he dapped us up, said, what up? That's what's up. Just kept it moving. Static, Static's cool. Uh, really good. I, I told you the story, but I met him. I'll tell the story in the podcast. Brian knows the story. And I told I told you this before, Dave. <laughs> but I, the first time, I didn't t- say it on the last podcast, but I told Static it. I met Static, I think it was in 2013. I was going to South by Southwest. And this is a crazy story because I'm get I get on this plane and uh, I'm sitting in the seat close to the w- window seat and Havoc comes in and sits down next to me, which is just like, yo, what's going on? So Havoc being cool, Havoc kind of said, you know, asked me, what's up? How's my morning? We start talking. I told him like, yo, man, love your production. Love the infamous. Uh, one of my favorite albums and everything. And so we're sitting there for a little bit and planes getting ready to take off. And I see Static come on the plane and he's walking through the aisle and he looks over at Havoc and he sees Havoc, gives Havoc a pound. And I guess he assumed I was with Havoc. So he gave me a pound. <laughs> And I was just like, all right, well, like, you know, I was like, what's up, Stat? I'll take those. Yeah, I'll take, the, I'll take those. So that was my story of me and Stat. Not, not, not as interesting as Dave, but yeah, that was my story nah, of, it's, it's of me and Stat. No, nah, but it's just funny just to assume, like, you're Havoc's, like, you're, you know, maybe his cousin, his bodyguard or some shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, Havoc's a short dude. He's, like, my height, probably. You're 6'2". You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like. It's not a, it's not a bad assumption, is what I'm kind of. No, nah, it isn't. He's like, oh, it's another black dude next to him that's a little taller. Yeah, I can see that. I can, he's like, I can yeah, see that. <laughs> Actually, so, man, I got to meet Havoc um a few weeks about let's say a month ago. Oh, word! I had the same reaction to, that you had. Yeah, it's it's look, man. It's as fans of hip hop like we all are. It is crazy if you get to meet some of the people you look at as legends or you like their work in in, in person. Um. You know, it's 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 insane. Or you get to connect with them like we had static on the podcast, no matter what. It's it's always it's always dope to have those opportunities. You know what I mean? So, Dave, let just to talk a little about music and the climate right now, beside what you're making, what what do you think about where hip hop is now? You'll still get a lot of people that's like, Man, hip hop is dead. Oh, uh, nah. ly- lyricism is dead, real beats are dead. You get and and look, let's let's keep it let's keep it a buck. There's people from our generation that'll say that. I do not subscribe to that. I do not agree with any of that. Not even close. What, what, do, you, what close. do you say? Um, it's far from dead. It hasn't been. It never was dead. It's just all preference. Like, yeah, we don't like. I, I, I can't. I want to assume that maybe y'all not trap is not your favorite kind of hip hop. Not my but favorite. That doesn't time. mean it's dead. The hip hop is dead. Um, this year, this climate is dope. Like, how many dope albums we had this year? Flea oh, stuff. Oh. Uh, Freddie Gibbs, um, Alfredo, Alfred. all the Griselda albums. Uh, the, I mean, the underground scene was, I don't even want to just say underground. I, listen, I was bumping Nas joint. Um, I'm trying to remember. It's, it was a lot of names that came across this year. I was like, oh, he dropped a project? I'm on it. This guy dropped a project? You know what I'm saying? So 
little projects here within the last few years, like Sky Zoo. I'm a huge Sky Zoo fan. Yeah, I know that. Yep. I'm trying to get a beat to this guy. I've been trying to get a beat to Sky Zoo for a minute. Sky's been killing it for the last, I don't know, easily five to six years, seven, even maybe even more than that. But we go. We're gonna hip hop hasn't been that. We're gonna have to try to. I don't know if you, yeah, we have to right. try to connect you. We have to try to make that happen. Please. We we can. Please. We yeah. can. Cause like yo, sh- and and people should notice. And I think we've said this on the podcast before. But shout out to Sky because he's been on the pod three times, and I'm sure we'll have it on again when he drops all the brilliant things. Um, but yeah, whenever we reach out to him, he's please. Yo, he's I'm come through. To, I'm gonna see y'all. We, 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 we'll try to make that happen, man. We'll try. We, we'll definitely try to make sound, make that, that happen. Sound great. That would sound great. I, also. I, would re- I would greatly appreciate that. I've seen, I remember seeing dude, uh, me and my fiance, we went to, uh, he was dropping, is it, uh, in celebration of us. I yeah, you went to the, you went to the Blue Note show. Blue Note, so yes. What's, what was crazy about that was he invited Brian and I to go. I ended up not being able to go because I had to travel for work. So I couldn't, I couldn't make it to the show. But I remember, and then I remember when I saw when you posted the video, and I was like, "Ah, damn, son! Like I was, I was supposed to go to that show." But uh, Yo, yeah, that sh- that show was awesome. That show was crazy. We was out there, and it was just I just love the setup of Blue Note, which is like intimate. You know, you could just really like vibe out with the artist and the band, and he performed the whole album from top to bottom and killed it. Yeah, I love and stuff like that. Like just the whole vibe. I mean, the clarity, the, the clarity of his voice. Just the, you know, a lot of artists don't sound the way the same they, way they do on um, in person as they do when you listen to them on the re- yeah. speakers. Yeah. And he was, he just, he killed it. And every time I seen him, I seen him at the um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival a few times. Always destroys it. Like so, I, if you could, I appreciate that. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Brian's going to be interested in this next thing that I'm going to bring up, because so in our next couple of episodes, Dave, we are going to be doing, and we've done this the last couple of years, our hip hop awards of the year. So we're going to ask you for a preview from you. What do you have? What is your album Hmm. of the year? What's your, we're not going to say ours because we're going to hold it, but we, but what's your album of the year this year? I'm biased though because I'm part of an album that I, I love, so I'm, I'm part of. I'm biased to fleas no hum, no more humble fashion. Taking my bias out of it, prior to that, I was put like this: prior to that album dropping for me, it was Alfredo. Mm, okay, Alfredo. Um, a very. It was hard because this year had some. This year had some doozies. Like, um, I was huge on Nas's album. I was a big fan of West Side's "Pray for Paris." Yeah. So uh, between Pray for Paris, No More Humble Fashion, Alfredo, and uh, Conway's album, too, was tough. God. See? Conway's see? Album, see? Benny's album. <laughs> Benny's album. It gets really difficult. It gets really yeah. difficult. And then there are a couple. Dex, I've been telling you about Problems 2 albums. So Problem, for people who don't know listening to the podcast, is a West Coast artist. Uh, he dropped Coffee and Kush Volume 1. Coffee and Kush Volume 2. Freddie Gibbs is actually on Volume 2. Uh, and I heard that those, track. Both of those albums, I'm not going to say whether or not they rank in, I think we're doing top 10 this year. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to go that. I'm not going to go as far as to say it, whether or not, because I don't want to spoil it. I will say that both of those albums were two of the better albums I heard this year. Okay. Is his name Problems? His name is just Problem. Period. He's a West Coast artist, a known West Coast artist. He worked with like Nipsey Hustle, like oh, okay. that scene over there and stuff like that. Like he's not a nobody necessarily. He's just a little more underground. But right. he's he's a dude that like it surprised me because I went to hear the album not thinking it was gonna be like 
I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. And that's no mm. respect to problem. That's the best feeling. But I was just like, whoa. Like, but the, I've had, but that's to say, I've had albums like that this year probably more than recent years. CJ yeah. Fly's album kind of snuck up on me. Yes, and Static did. Selector produced the whole thing. And when I heard it, there are a lot of songs that I liked on it and a lot of songs that I ended up keeping. A lot of people would say Run the Jewels album is probably like in the top. That's another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm probably, I think people probably love him a little more than I do. You know what I mean? Just because. It's not I, in my top five, but it was a good project. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. That's more to say that for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe it's LP, but like white people love Run the Jewels, so they get critical <laughs> acclaim. Like they get a lot of critical acclaim, but they're, they're dope. But like this, that's just more to say that yeah, there's been a lot of great albums that came out this year. Some people would also put Jay Electronica's uh, Jay Z mixtape up there, but you know. <laughs> here's, here's my thing with that album. It's funny because I thought the album was great, but what I was anticipating, the work that I, I know just used to just Blaze used to kind of leak here and there throughout the years, mm -hmm. I was expecting more. Not saying that the album wasn't great because the joint Alchemist did alone. Um, was ridiculous. I'm trying to remember the name of the song. I think it's Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story, yeah. 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 That song is just beautiful. Yeah, I love the um, keys. I love the keys in that, yeah. I wanted to hear Jay Electronica by himself. I wanted that's, my that's one or two Jay features. If you tell me a Jay verse, yeah, more Jay verse, more Jay verse. It's always great, right. Better, but <laughs> when you, we waited, what, 12 years or whatever it was for this album, you want to yeah. hear Jay Electronica by himself. That yeah. was my issue. Like, especially from the very beginning where Jay-Z had the first verse on the album. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then you come to realize, like, he's pretty much on every song except for, like, maybe one or two. And it's like, it should have been just pushed as a collab album or something like well. that. Then I would have probably received it a little bit differently. Mm. But, and then, you know, Act 2, I think, leaked after, and they, or they put, they, it leaked, and then they put it on title. I don't know, which people like that better, but I don't know how do you count that this year, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 go it's go it's gonna be real interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh your work with Flea Lord because uh you you no hum no more humble no more humble fashion. Sorry, didn't want to mess up that name. Um mm -hmm. you had three joints on there. I listened four. to four, sorry, my bad. Don't want, yeah, let, no, no. let's not short you or mess up let's not short you on that. Um you have four joints <laughs> that's a, on that's there. That's a third of the project right there. That's, yeah, it's a third of the project. Um yo, how did that come about? How did y'all link up? How did you get your beats to him? And you got tracks where West Side's on one, Conway's on another, um, two heavy hitters right there. How did all this come about? Uh, it started last um, November. I was just, you know, I do what I always do, reach out to artists on Instagram and Twitter. You know, you can I send you beats or whatever? And just so happens his engineer hit me back and said, yo, um, here's our GED and me his um, email. So I was like, all right, I'm going to send him a like pack. Not some, you know, send him like three joints to see if I get lucky. And those first two joints, I, they chose two of the first three joints I sent. Hmm. And that hmm. ended up being the Skinny Pete track. And the other one was the uh, the Doors Locked with Conway. Yeah. yeah. So right out the gate, it was like, okay, we're on to something here. Did you and know? Did you, I don't mean to cut you off, but did you know at that point Conway was going to be on the track? He's just like, we, we're going to no, use this no. beat. You didn't I, know. I knew early on. I knew way earlier than, than when the album came out. I knew, I knew that both of them was going to be on... Um, on it on the tracks probably I want to say like February or March I knew um, and I was super hyped the that was being patient though was the hardest thing because you <laughs> yeah. get this nine like yo I got Westside and Conway on my beats and I'm saying hey I found out maybe what eight nine months ago <laughs> so you gotta just gotta wait it out and and grind and I'm just like I can't keep t I can't tell everybody that though it's supposed to be a secret so yeah. <laughs> but, so you know, luckily I got I got um a good support system at home. So my lady, we were just listening. You know, she she keep me like, ah, just be patient. We got this. Don't worry, the time is coming. So yeah, um, a good vibe. Yeah, because when I saw you, when I saw you uh put on IG that you know you had you had the track listing, and I saw your name producing, I saw the crap. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> and and you know, and this is true. I immediately I must I DM Dave, and I was like. Hey man, when that drops, we gotta get you. We gotta get you on the pod. Yes. We I've been wanting to for a while, but I was like, yo, I think it's time for us for us to do it. Um, 
how does it feel now that you've done? Because you talked about the patience of it, but now that's happened. You've had a, you've had tracks. You've worked. You've worked with these people, part of the Griselda Collective. Are you excited about what's next and where that can take you in your production career? Oh, definitely. That's that's everything. Like um, when you when this whole year has been a blessing. Obviously, COVID aside, career wise for me, it's been a blessing because I've had you know Griselda. Please looked out for me. I can't, you know, I'm super grateful for that. Got me part. Now I'm part of Lord Mom collective producer team, you know, so I'm one of the in-house producers. So next year we got a lot of work coming. Like, and you, I don't know if you notice, if you keep up with like how I post beats on Instagram, I, I haven't, I slowed down. But that doesn't mean I slowed down making the beats. It's just that the beats are going to the artists now. They got so, homes now. Yeah, yeah, they got homes now. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> It's not like usually my whole point was to put them up there was to showcase what I could do and also if I could just get somebody to hit me up and try to you know hop on a beat. But I got a lot of work coming next year. So mm. Lord Mob stuff, uh, compilation. Then there's like albums following that part of the team. Then I got stuff with other artists outside of Lord Mob. So it's I'm super excited right now. So, 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 oh, and that's oh. important too because we were just talking about like collectives and groups and all that stuff like. It's important because it inserts you into that space, right? So it's like if you're working with Flea Lord, you could work with, you know, all these other people who were on West Side Guns last album, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And it just builds and builds from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a um it's it's I'm having fun right now. Let's put it like that. Like just between the DMs I'm getting, the email, the text, the phone calls. You know, this year I got to meet Conway. I got to in person, you know, I got to I, I never met West Side in person, but I got to speak to him on the phone. Mm -hmm. So these are like Openings that I never had, like Flea with Facetime. He finally, you know, COVID slowed things down, but finally I got to meet Flea and we we chopped it up. And every time we we hung out, good vibes shows love. You know, salute to the whole team, and it's just it was it's a beautiful thing. So I'm super excited. I'm having a lot of fun right now, and what, just wait till next year. I promise you. Yeah, I, I believe it. And what's crazy with you slowing down is like now I'm like, damn, that's that's how I get to hear Dave's beats. He puts something up on the IG, and I would be like. Hey, yo, man, I I need that. Like, <laughs> get that. Now I'm gonna have to like hit Dave and be like, "Yo, could you let me listen to some stuff that you might have released <laughs> I, on the secret?" Right. I, I got you. You gotta still slide me some stuff because we're always still using stuff. But yeah, we things things are changing for you for the good. So and sure. we're not we're not we're not mad about that. Can you talk to people a little bit about what your process is like, Dave? Because every producer is different. Like some people start with the you know the break beat. Some people will start with a sample. Like, what are you looking for when you're digging in the crates or you're trying to produce? What, what What's your process, if you want to, if you can share uh, oh, sure. about that? Um, I start, I usually start with the sample, but I'm not all solely just the sample. Like, sometimes if I just, I, I could just, you know, just the mood I'm in, I'll start with the drums. And if that, if there's knocking, then I'll just see if I can find something. But my goal is to find, if I'm digging for a sample, it has to be something obscure. I, I don't like trying to find the, the James Brown, the Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. like it got to be something the most random, maybe 50 people heard, it, you know, something from Japan or, but like the, the song that um they did with Flea did with Conway. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Most obscure record on the planet. Like, yo, I don't know even how I found it, but it was just, it's luck. So I start with that and then, um, I just start playing for like, like going through the song. I like to like a lot of producers just do automatic chops where they mm -hmm. let the program chop itself um, periodically, like every five seconds or so. I like to like literally go through the song itself and pick what I like. And then I like once I, I, I cut what I like, then I start playing with, you know, and play surgeon now and start stitching up. OK, I might like this. Let me put this here. Let me take that out. Slow this down. Speed it up. Whatever the case may be. And it just got to have a flavor to it. It can't just, I've thrown away probably more beats just because it didn't have that flavor to it. So I'm like, all right, let me delete that and just mm -hmm. start to So it got to have a feel. If it don't sound like, what, uh, if it don't remind me of the era of hip hop I love, mm -hmm. it don't give me no, that goosebumps, I'm not trying to keep it. I like that. That's a good, that's a good standard. Yeah. Good standard to have, for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. I was going to ask, so, like, as far as this era now, is it tougher to get samples? Because, you know, people are trying to, you know, try to make it almost restrictive to get certain samples and things of that nature. And I know you said you're looking for things that are more obscure, but now we're in an era where it's like, I think we talked to Static Selecta about this a little bit, where it's just sometimes it's harder to just sample things now. 
yeah, just, it's, because, it's a just because of monetization and streaming and all that. It's it's a challenge in some regards, but um, I still find the, the nice record spots. I still got a couple of record spots I go to. I still know where to go online. Uh, it's it is a challenge in some regards, but in some it's just that's part of the fun. Mm. The, the digging, like I, I take that as fun, and then when you find something like, oh, you know, just that you feel like that kid in the candy store, like I can't wait till I get home to to mess with this. So if I'm out somewhere and I just like, I might just be scrolling the internet sometime and just look for something, and then for sometimes I might go to a record store and just like, oh, you know, I don't know what this sounds like, but I got a good feeling about this one. Let me just, and we'll take it from there and hope for the best. See if I find a gem on there. Yeah, de- definitely, no doubt. Uh, we got to ask you this because we asked this to Static. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot, but if you had a one artist or a couple artists that you could work with that you dine to work with that hasn't happened, who who would who would that be? I'm aiming for the sky right here, but I'm gonna keep it a buck with you, Nas. There you go. And this yeah. is why this is for yeah. me. He's my personal goat. Hey, he has been since I've hey. since we met in junior high. Yep. He's uh so me too so. <laughs> If I could get Nas, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm going for Nas at the top of the list. Hove is right behind. Um Sky Zoo is somebody like what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um definitely Cole. I I, I wish I feel like if I get a chance with Cole, like I'm I'm a, I got some beats in stat on stat. Matter of fact, Dex, you know about one of the beats because you I do the, time. the um the one with the sister soldier sample. I mean, oh, you told me about that, and you know how to use that yet? Yeah, yeah. I, you funny. I know exactly what you're talking about because when I heard it, I was like, "Ooh!" When I heard it, I was like, <laughs> "I was like, this is." I didn't know what I wanted to use it for yet, but I remember I reached out to you. Yo, I could hear him on that. I could hear it. Yo, Man, hold, hold that. that. You should hold that one, even though yeah, I love no, it. I'm holding that. <laughs> I said the only person I actually sent that beat out to that I can remember. I tried to get that to Rhapsody. I can like, hear her looked, on that too. I, I looked up for, I looked around because I think she's perfect for that as well. And I was like, I found like I think one of her, um, the Jamla managers or something. Yeah. And I actually, I put a whole package together. I put a, a, a introduction like I, this will sound great on. She'll sound great on this. Yeah. You know the whole shebang, and I sent it out. I never got anything back, but if I could get if I could get Rhapsody on it, Cole Nas is top of my list. Um, Benny, Jada Kiss and Styles. That's that's a personal Jada SP. Yeah, okay. I gotta get Jada and Styles. Uh Con um because I, I got Conway and 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 um West Side, so if I gotta get Benny. Absolutely. Benny. I, I'm that one I can on hear. Benny. Yeah, just makes a lot of sense. I appreciate it. I I'm really working on like I'm trying to see if I could work my way into getting a Benny um feature on one of my beats, but uh I'm pretty sure there's a lot of other artists, but oh and Kendrick for sure. What's up, listeners and supporters of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast? We need some help from you, and it won't take up too much of your time. As we grow, we always want to hear your feedback, so take a minute or two to fill out a short anonymous survey. The survey link is right in the episode notes for this podcast. It's easy and takes less than five minutes. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Just a couple minutes out of Nick's because the season's starting. Uh, you know, they have the Kith collab now with the weird uniform <laughs> of the, the New York. Yeah. Whatever. I, 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 I don't like it. I, I haven't talked to Dexter about these uniforms at all, but I'm going to assume because of how well he's already shaking his head. Don't like I'm it. I'm going to assume don't because like I, well, nah. I know you. I know. <laughs> I, can tell. I know you don't like See, here's the thing about those uniforms. I think other than the the, the the circle-y thing in the middle or whatever, I think they actually look fine. Like all I don't, the stuff. I don't around. dislike them though. I I like that they went with the you went with a black look with the orange. I'm not wild about the tie dye. That, that see, on the side. see, that's what killed. That's kind of what kills that's it for not, me. That's not even. That's not even what I wanted to bring up. Although I have been saying that the Knicks should have black uniforms for years, but I was thinking black with orange lettering, whatever. That's yes, another exactly. way for another. Um, just team in general. I mean, we were we were talked about this yesterday a little bit, Dex. But just just your thoughts on the team in general. What do you want out of this season uh, to prove, you know, that they're actually going in the right direction? Um, well, the first game gave me a lot of hope, and and I hate to say as a Knicks fan because we get we jump the gun way too often after one win. So I guess the Pistons, by the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mind you. Probably, now, maybe the worst team in the was, NBA right now. If I see the same thing tonight when they, you know, second game against the Pistons, I may, you know, I'll get, I might get a little more hype. You might see me on, on Instagram 
showing out. But uh, <laughs> let me say, I'll say this. I like Toppin. Toppin looks legit. And, you know, like the defense will come. We always talk about defense with stars. Look, Harden don't play D. How many offensive players really, like, really play D? You know, a lot of most offensive juggernauts don't play D. Dame Lillard doesn't. Dame Lillard. You know what I'm saying? We could go We could go down the list. Um, Toppin looks good. I'm not worried about RJ as much as much people are, like, with the missing the jump shots. His game's not – he's never going to be a three-point shooter. He's, he's going to be a little – a lot more like Wade in a sense where, yo, mid-range and get to the bucket. Give me – hit the free throws, get to the bucket, hit, give me a 15-foot jump shot. I'm fine with that. So what he showed me in the second half when he went – I think he went 6 for 8 after starting 0 for 6. Yep. RJ's going to be fine. He's Especially if he hits – if he gets to 70% free throws, he's going to be um, – that's probably right. 18 a game. That's the, 18, that's the key. That's the key, Dave. He's got to hit the free throws, that's the, man. The key, that's the key. You, you mentioned the two keys I think for him this season should be. It's just improving his free throw percentage considerably, like getting around to that 70 percentile because he gets there a lot and he's going to continue to get there a lot. And he needs to hit like a good amount of those free throws. And I think you want to see him averaging right there 18, 20 points a game, like right in that could, range. He should have done that last year, but he was missing how many free throws a game? He put up 14 and he missed at least three free throws a game. Yeah. So yeah. mathematically, right there, that's he, he should have been on the 17 point mark easily. So yeah, topping Barrett, I, I like. Um, Dennis Smith did not look bad that first game. I'm not, look at Dax, look at Dax. Not look, <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. He, did, he, 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 looked, he looked solid. Now, he looked, to me, put it like this, he, to me, he looked better than Peyton in the first game in the sense that he, played, I agree with that. he, was, I getting, agree. he was getting the, the floor burns, yeah. he was getting in the paint, he seemed more, uh, more engaged. I think without him having to deal with the garden crowd this year, mm. you know, he's probably, he might have, he might have a better season because a lot of these guys are impressionable. So when you hear the booze and the bring in Frank or bring in whoever that gets to you, especially if you're young. So mm, I think this year he's going to be all right. That was a good point I hadn't considered. I had, yeah, I, had, I hadn't actually thought. So did you like Did you like the top and pick? They, I, I did not talk yeah, to you about uh, right that. Off the, game. I, off the bat, you liked it. Okay, so I, right wanted, I wanted them to get a point guard, but I have warmed more up to the pick, and I did like what you saw of him in the first preseason game. I thought he played he, under control. He looks like he looks like he belongs. Yeah, and, and, adult, he looks like an adult rookie. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, like he and came he came out the gate yeah. looking like looking official. Like we, uh, we were, I think we, when he came in, we were either down like five or it, I think we were down or tied. He came in that whole second unit came in, but he looked like a grown man playing amongst kids for a minute, and it was like, wait a minute, he's a rookie. This yeah. is his first. You gave him first the ball. You gave him the ball, and he looked all right in terms of just you know handling and attacking the rim and under control and not looking like Julius Randle turning over the ball. Yeah. <laughs> you got to stop possession. the cross-court passes, though. Those cross-court cross passes. Is like, all right, this, this is in yeah. college now. You can't get away with that. But other than that, because at least he knows when to spin off. If you spin off, you spin away from the defense. You don't spin into the defense. Right. I don't know right. what Julius is on, but he like he loves spinning into the defense. This is the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, so. it's, cra it's crazy because I thought the best play Toppin made, and I told Dexter, the best play Toppin made was actually the pass out of the post. I think he was being guarded by Blake Griffin. Yes, yes. That was somebody that he should probably try to emulate in some ways, but he was posting him up. He caught him with a little up fake turn and then threw it over his left shoulder, and I was like, ooh, yeah. that's a nice – and he, he – not that he was – he wasn't really like a – like somebody who would do that a lot of Dayton necessarily where he kind of had to because he was double teamed so it's yeah. a little bit different but to do it in an NBA just find a cutter like that showing that he already has that at this mm -hmm. level I'm like okay so you can put you can give him the ball in the post you know maybe a couple times a quarter see if he can either get you to the foul line get you a, a good shot an efficient shot or find somebody who cuts and RJ is going to be somebody who's going to be cutting to the basket he's going to catch RJ he's going to catch RJ a lot this season cutting yeah. to the bucket yeah, but, definitely agree. Now, Dave, we've been we've been suffering for a long time, though, right? Like, oh, <laughs> like, like. So, I, so I've known you since like post ninety four. We first saw the Knicks go to the finals, and we saw him mm -hmm. do it again in ninety nine. And it's been a long time since we've had any long success like that. What are your? Because you talked about individually some players you think will play good this year, and I do agree with you on the players you mentioned. Um, although Dennis Smith Jr., I, I got to wait and see a little more. Nah. Huh? Um, who, and, you, and we didn't mention Mitchell Robinson yet. Mitchell Robinson, yeah. We'll, yeah. 
I, yeah, I think Mitchell. I think Mitchell will be fine, and I think Tibbs is trying to push him by starting Noel Nerlens Noel over him. So we'll, you got to put you got to put a fire under. Yeah, I like that. So I actually like that. What do you What do you think this team can do this year? And what do you What do you want to see out of the team collectively? Like, what is growth to you in terms of a Knicks um, fan this year with them? I'm not going to say playoffs, but if they could do the tenth seed and do that play in, because they're still doing that this year, right? Yeah, they are. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you do, if they can make the tenth seed at least, and at least fight to make the playoffs, I feel like that's a a good sign. Because I don't feel like the bottom of the East isn't anything special where they can't fight for. Especially if Barrett gives me eighteen, at least eighteen a game. Topping comes in and gives me about sixteen to eighteen a game. I could see when between the oh, defensively between Barrett, I mean um, Noel Robinson. You know, I'm sure Austin Rivers is going to chuck it up, so he's going to get his shots up. We could, we could fight with the Chicago's and the Orlando's for that tenth. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's like it's Charlotte, Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland. Who else in the bottom of the East? Orlando. Like, can you finish ahead of basically those five teams? Those yeah, this, five I, that you'll be. I, I didn't, I didn't see anything um, from that first game that made me look at because I watched a lot of the um the games last night. I, I watched Charlotte play. There was nothing Charlotte did last night that made me say the Knicks aren't going to be better than them. I know it was one game, but you could kind of get a feel at least like how people could, you know, this style of play. There was nothing they did. Nothing Cleveland did. You know, they had a nice gutted out win where Okoro got the layup, but it was nothing that made me say that they're miles ahead of the Knicks. If anything, the Knicks actually looked like they're just on the same level, if not better. So we'll see tonight, though, because that might have just been an anomaly last on Friday. So... Let me not jump the gun. Well, well, yeah, well, by the time this drops, we'll, we'll know if, if it was an, an anomaly. Well, man, I hope – I can only hope that, that it is upward for the Knicks because there's been so many years of uh, – Look, see, you heard the stress in his voice? Like, Dave, Dave is stressed out. See, see, it's it's probably not good for our health. I've always said this. Probably not good for our health <laughs> at all. But we'll we'll see what the Knicks can do. Hopefully they can turn things around. Um Thank you, bro. Appreciate you coming on, coming on the pod and talk with us. We wish you uh, much continued success, and Thank you're you. you're gonna rise to whatever you need. Because you know, like I said, you're a scholar, right? You know what I mean. And of course, East, yeah. East, East Flatbush, bro. Yeah, East Flatbush. We do great things, man. Always, always do great things. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you coming on, bro. Appreciate sure. it, man. Thanks, guys, for having me. One time for your mom. One time. One time for your mom. One time. One time for your mind, got some interesting stuff this week. Brian's going to talk a little bit about unions, and I'm going to talk about people, well, not people, animals that basically are taking over New York City, and we are tired of them. At least I think. Anim- animals adjacent. I don't know. Animals adjacent, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, like- they're, 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 they're the one, they're like, uh, they're, they shouldn't exist. Honestly. <laughs> There's no upside to them to their existence. But we'll get to, we'll get to that when you get to yours. Um, I agree. Go ahead. Uh, kicking this off, uh, Christopher Nolan, somebody who I don't know if I've ever mentioned him on the podcast before. Not for any reason in particular. It's just you know, it's one, one, one of one of my favorite movie directors, if not yeah. favorite. It's it just shows you how different this is uh, going to be on this one time for your mind. But Christopher Nolan talked about the HBO Max deal, and we know HBO Max is, I mean, just like all the other streaming services, trying to get a lot of content that has been in other places and house them on their networks that you have to go to them similar to hulu and showtime and netflix etc etc peacock now with nbc and there are others that i haven't mentioned but you you get the idea he was talking about how it's not great you know the hbo max deal what it's doing to unions necessarily and as somebody who's in a union now the onion union uh as part of my deadspin deal and we're currently you know trying to (laughs) fight for certain things as well as a union uh, the Ringer had a walkout this week, which is interesting. They walked out for two hours, talked about their demands because there's some stuff going on there. And obviously solidarity with them, with the homies at The Ringer, um, The Ringer Union. And, you know, this is an NPR story that was published. And he was talking about just how the HBO Max deal is not really doing well uh, with unions. And this is something that ATT and Warner, don't, they're not really doing anything about it necessarily. And here's a direct quote from Christopher Nolan said, and I'm not talking about me. Uh, I'm talking about Ben Affleck or whoever. I'm not talking about Ben Affleck or whoever. I'm talking about the gripes, the electricians uh, who depend on IA, the International Alliance Union, the IA residuals for pension, for health care. And I'm talking about SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, 
uh, talking about actors, talking about uh, when I come on the set and I've got to shoot a scene with the waiter or a lawyer who has two or three lines, those people, I, you know, they need to be earning a living in that profession, working maybe, you know, sometimes a couple days of the year. And that's why the residual structure is in place. That's why the unions have secured participations for people down the line. So when a movie is sold to a television station 20 years after it was made, a payment is made to the people who collaborated on that film. Mm. Uh, And these are important principles that when a company starts devaluing the individual assets by using them as leverage for a different business strategy without first figuring out how those new structures are going to have to work, it's a sign of great danger for the ordinary people who work in this industry. That's something that we don't consider when all of these streaming services get all this content for us to watch and you know, make it easier for us as consumers, but as it makes it easier for us, there's always people getting fucked somewhere along the line. That's why we have unions in place to help fight for this stuff. And, you know, these super contracts that are above our heads don't really help in that way. And, you know, this, it just speaks to the imbalance of where everything is as far as union, as far as, uh, you know, people at the top of the company and just that divide in a whole lot of different ways, not just monetarily. Yeah, I think, I think that there's an interesting thing, right? Like the streaming services aren't going anywhere, but I think that we have to start thinking about who continues to make the money off of TV show or movie after that, right? Does the electrician on that, does the person that uh, did some of the shooting on that movie, the lighting techs, should those people get residuals for things that are sort of, even for movies, it's not really syndication, but they're still available. But maybe we should start thinking about it like that. Maybe yeah. we have to start thinking about everything that gets placed on a streaming service as sort of syndication. It shouldn't just be, uh, you know, Warner Brothers or whatever production company or Paramount or whoever, that they're the only ones to get the check, the people at the top. But the people who actually worked in that, yeah, I think they should see some residuals off of that. I absolutely think they should in, and, in some kind of way. Yeah. And, and the good thing is that we're at least we're thinking this way now. We're talking about this now. This wasn't something I don't think people were really bringing up in the 90s. As it relates to maybe a show like The Fresh Prince when it was out by then. And, you know, I think this is something that as streaming services continue to grow, I think this is something that we're going to continue to focus on because people are always trying to unionize and now fight what they deserve more. You're seeing more people talk about creative control and trying to do things independently and trying to, you know, actually put a priority on intellectual property and being taken care of and, you know, not overworking themselves. And, you know, we're just having different conversations now than we were 10, 15, 20 years ago, even five years ago. So I think that's at least encouraging, but that's not to say it'll be much easier to bridge the gap. It's still going to be a pain in the ass. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it just reflects on, it just reflects everything else that we're sort of experiencing right now as a country, because there's a big gap in terms of like working class versus rich and how, I mean, we don't even need to get into the, the intricacies of that because, you know, some of the things are not really intricate. It's kind of just black and white. It, it, really, it really is. I mean, the, the thing I definitely, well, not the thing, but I agree with a bunch of what Nolan's saying. But what I do agree is that as things move towards things, more things are streaming, we have to think about things. He makes a great point. We can't, we do a lot of things where it's just like, oh, we've got this great new thing, but we're not thinking about how it works and who it affects. Um, there's a lot of things we should thinking about that. It's even if we think things become more convenient for us and just being like, is it really convenient for us? And like you said, who is it hurting or who is it, who's getting fucked over, um, in these deals. And a lot of times it's the people that did a lot of the hard work to produce these films or produce these shows that never see the long-term money. We, in a way, I know I mentioned the word syndication. We can't look at things as syndication in the same way anymore because, you know, of course, if you had a successful sitcom, you mentioned The Fresh Prince, you wanted, or, you know, Seinfeld, whoever, it doesn't matter. You wanted it to be syndicated on a TV. So that lives for years beyond. But now with streaming services, it can live for years beyond. And it's a dope thing because it gets introduced to generations who might not have seen it and don't have to search it's for it. It's on HBO now. For right. Reference. You don't have to search for a channel or make sure you have it or see it at a certain time. You can watch this whenever you want. And that is dope, no doubt. But we start may have to think like, yeah, well, that now has a whole new value than it had under syndication when there was no streaming. And what does that value, who does it affect? I think we have to start having those conversations. So in my opinion, kudos to Christopher Nolan for starting the conversation 
And maybe as people who are consumers uh, of HBO Max, other streaming services, maybe it's something that we as consumers should start thinking about a little bit more. I think it's easy for us to sit back and be like, oh, I'm not thinking about that. It doesn't affect me. I'm just getting my content. And it's like, well, as somebody who creates content, no, I do think about that and then how it does affect other people. Yeah, and if you want to read the story, it's uh, on NPR. Ari Shapiro wrote it. It's called Christopher Nolan Calls Warner Brothers Shift to Streaming New Movies, Quote, A Great Danger. And uh, somebody who uh, posted these quotes uh, and highlighted these were Brendan Hodges. He's a, a film critic on Twitter. So, yeah, just good. wanted to give those salutes. Ah, good good stuff there. All right. I'm going to talk about in one time from my something I generally don't like talking about, something I actually don't like seeing. And that is rats. Don't care for rats at all whatsoever. In fact, I'm going to tell somebody a rat story that involves myself and Brian. I don't know if we told this on this podcast yet, but I'll tell the story that involves me and Brian. Brian and I were on our last day of shooting La Cultura, a Puerto Rican boxing story. And we decided to go one morning, As you, if you've not watched the piece or if you've seen it, you should check it out because it's really dope and it's won a bunch of awards and it has almost 40,000 views on YouTube. So you should check it out. But... We were coming from the Puerto Rican Day Parade. As you've seen the piece, Brian was at the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and that's sort of what kicks off and also ends the piece. And we were leaving to go back to actually edit this project. And Brian and I were on the Grand Central platform, uh, 42nd Street, for people who don't know, in New York. And yeah. I, was, I was standing in a place, Brian's standing across from me, I'm standing closer to the platform. There was a young lady with headphones on standing to my left. And all of a sudden, I looked to my left, and I saw a rat basically run by her foot. She jumps. The rat then comes towards me. And I jumped up in the air, and the rat went under my foot and down the platform as if we weren't there at all whatsoever. And it jumped that, over my foot. Also. Jumped over your foot. Yeah, sorry. I forgot to add you. It jumped over my foot, and then I went up the stairs. I went up <laughs> the steps. I was like, oh, fuck no. Brian was, like, <laughs> Brian was like, nah, I'm not staying on this platform. And I think that is to set the tone for people who do not live in New York to understand that, yo, the rats here really don't give a shit, all right? <laughs> They're just out here doing whatever it is thing they can do. That was, what year was that, Brian? What year did we, what year did we put out uh, La Couture? Yo, your, your, mic, your mic just went out. I believe it was 2018, he said. 2018. 2018, okay. So 2018, we did that. Now, obviously, things have changed in the world since then. And there's something I had read about early in the year about how because of the pandemic, and especially in New York City, there were not as many people out. There were not as many businesses open. And there were closed in certain parts of New York that relied a lot on business. For example, the financial district around Wall Street in New York, where there already kind of always were a lot of rats because it's close to the water. Now, where there was less people out, less garbage being put out in the street, the rats were coming out more. But... (laughs) My cousin, who also knows that I absolutely hate rats, she decided to send me this article. Why? Because she wants to antagonize me. Not for anything nice, not really to keep me informed, but I feel like we should keep other people informed. So there was a Chipotle in Washington Heights, that is North Manhattan, for people who don't know, and rats have been running amok at Washington Heights mm-hmm. Chipotle. And this is according to an article that was written, I don't want to get it, by Poppy Noor from uh, The Guardian, she wrote the rats have been running amok in Washington Heights Chipotle, attacking employees, chewing through wiring systems, and causing the indefinite closure of the restaurant to the public. Quote from an employee, it's pure chaos every time a rat appears. Although the restaurant is closed, staff is still regularly coming in to clean in an effort to help stave off the infestation. (laughs) The infestation was first discovered in the summer, right? We're now in the fall. When avocados were found partly eaten and bags of rice were bitten through. The rats ah. Yeah. So the rats were coming in and they were eating the food and then they were terrorizing the people in this and they had to shut down this Chipotle because nobody could be in the Chipotle anymore. And so I got I got this story uh from my cousin a couple of days ago, and then I was working. And I was in northern Manhattan, I was on the upper west side, and I was with a friend of the podcast. Host of the Seven Footers podcast, Gerard Hector. I was interviewing him mm. for a story I was doing for AccuWeather. And the story we were doing about another animal, we were doing a story about dog walking. And I was next to a dog park. And it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was on Riverside Drive. And for people who don't know, that is right next to the water, uh, which would be the, uh, the Hudson River. We're right there. 
and it's sitting in this dog park, and I was doing doing something on camera, and I was sitting there for a while, and at one point I was sitting there, and I and I noticed there was a space between this dog park that was just grass and leaves, and I saw something move out the corner of my eye, and I was like, "Whoa, no. yeah, yeah, yeah," no. and I was like, "What is that?" And I didn't see anything, but then I looked down, and I noticed slightly to my left, you could see a clearly a burrow hole, like a rat hole, that was there. And I was like, oh, man, there's rats over here, for sure. <laughs> now, I also want to put into perspective for people who might not understand, there are five times as many rats as there are people in New York. There are somewhere estimated to be 33 million rats in New York. And now they're hungrier. They're looking oh for God. food. Wait, is that a real stat? That's a real stat. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. That's oh, a, I wish you didn't tell me that. That's a real stat. Like, oh that's a real my stat. God. In fact, this was to an article. Let me make sure at the time I had read this article. I believe this was. Oh, this shit. was of last year. But as this is last year, so it's before the pandemic, rats, rat sightings reported to the city's 311 hotline have soared nearly 38%. Uh, from 17th, for, from up, that was up from 12,000 in 2014 to 17,000. That was in 2019, Right. A lot of this, all the, some of the reasons people think this is happening is a lot of it is a lot of new buildings being built, which is funny in the area that I was. There were a lot of new buildings in that area. So when you're digging up stuff, you're, you're, you're kind of taking over rat burrows and holes. And let me just go back There's to- building being made on my block. So that's not great. That, does, that never helps, right? And so sometimes when you go in those buildings, they put a lot of poison. They burrow out those holes when they're tearing down buildings and the rats are going to come out. And so while I was doing the story, just to say this and wrap this up, while I was doing the story, I was shooting something where I was on camera. So two times, my back is now towards the dog park. And twice, I saw rats come out from the dog, dog park. One went right to a trash can, ran into a street. Then there was another part where two women were walking. And I wasn't even looking that way, but I heard them collectively do this, Brian. <gasps> they gasped. Oh. They both gasped. Oh. And two huge rats just ran out in front of them. I'm and never living in Manhattan. I'm never living in I Manhattan. Would, you know, I, would, I mean, it can happen anywhere. So it, it, it doesn't mean... The thing yeah, of, like, you know what? That's You know what? I want to know how much... I don't want to know this, actually. I, I, no, I'm more, curious as to how much of the 33 million are in Manhattan. Oh, I would, I, 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 I would estimate... I, would, it's, I mean, it's not the largest borough because Queens is the largest borough in terms of size. But... I think just in terms of because of the way the buildings have been and more of the intricacies of the subway stations are in Manhattan, I would assume that the most of them are there. That would be my assumption. I would assume the most almost by far. And, Not and almost, definitely by far. And it's the most, most of that borough, for people who don't know, it's like Manhattan's an island, so it's always completely surrounded by water, and rats like to be near the water. Yeah, I'm not going to Google it, though, just because, like, <laughs> I, I, like I, 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 you, know, you know what the risk you're running is there. Well, 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 there's been a lot, and there's been a lot with rats in the last couple of years. Not to see them in the subway, they've been seen in playgrounds and parks, um, where some parks where they just they don't know what to do and how to control it. But look, the point is, it's getting bad out here. It's because of the pandemic. People aren't out as much. These rats are basically looking for food, right? The pandemic's affected them too. They are out here desperately looking for food. Fuck them. Let them die. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but I'm. But here's the thing, Brian. I'm kind of with you. They serve no purpose. We don't need them. None. None. But it's too hard to get rid of them. There's more of them than there are of us. And they're getting more confident each day. Yo, I think... Like, I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> are, are the rats planning the revolution? I don't want to know. Like, they're, scared, they're still scared of people. But because of the lack amount of people and just how things have changed in New York in the last couple of months, they're clearly becoming more bold they're out in broad daylight remember that rats and mice are nocturnal animals when they start coming out in the daylight that means they're comfortable they're also a little bit desperate but they're comfortable and so that's why i saw a rat they at three in the afternoon at the end of the line so. maybe maybe but they're coming out strong and it doesn't look like it and they're cut so look if you see these rats you don't like these rats we need to come up with a plan to get rid of these these guys i don't know what that plan is i don't know how to do it there's way too much tunnels and underground space in New York City. It's just way too much. And I don't I know what's going to happen. Train. I haven't been on a train since like February. Yeah, I haven't been on, I haven't been on one since March. But uh, yeah, 
but I've seen enough rats. I'll tell you that. Not a lot, because I really haven't been in the city, but the times I have been in the city, and because I do it a lot for my work, and I tend to do a lot of stand-ups or live shots near areas of water, I see them in the broad daylight. And, yo, they're really just living among us. I don't know what the hope is. They're just living among us. Fucking nauseated. To quote a friend of the show who's been on here multiple times, uh, Naomi Gray, uh, Jesus take the wheel. That's all I got. No, not, no, not Jesus take the wheel. Jesus take the rats. How about that? Take the rats and take them away. How about that? Like we 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 can have that happen. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast, episode one fifty nine. Please. Uh, do the thing to continue to support us. Uh, leave us a nice review. Rate us, review us. You should leave us five-star review because this is a five-star show. There's no reason you should not do that. Also, continue to support us in any way you can. Subscribe to our Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. We have more coming up. We are almost halfway through December. We are halfway through December by the time you listen to this. And the last two episodes of this month will be, you've been waiting for it all year. You knew it was coming. And Brian's got his list ready. And it's, we're not talking about a Christmas Looking list. At it, right now, it is the Ain't Hard to Tell 2020 Hip Hop Awards. It is that time. I still got to tweak some stuff on my list. You heard us talk to Dave about that. Uh, we will two have parts more, this year, more by two the way. parts this year. We'll have two episodes. So you'll, we hope you guys enjoy that. I know there'll be a lot of discussion and debate around it. That's how we will close out the year. Um, so we want to thank, again, thank our, our guest. Uh, Ghost Dave, David O'Foury, you can check out uh, his work. Follow him on uh, Instagram uh, with all the great work that he does. More coming up around sports. NBA season will be starting soon. Brian and I will be involved in some new projects. We'll tell you more about all that that's coming up. Uh, But until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, support unions, stay away from the rats. Until next time, y'all. Wear a fucking mask. Yeah, that too. Wear a mask. (laughs) Peace. (laughs) 